The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us. Lord, we thank you that um, although we are, as your word says, we're born dead. Like we are slaves to sin. There's nothing in us that's good. There's nothing in us that desires good. Um, But Lord, you have come and you have paid the penalty for us and now because of what you've done for us on the cross, because you didn't stay in that grave but you rose again, now God, we are free. So God, thank you so much for your freedom. Lord, my prayer this morning is that for those of us already in your freedom, we would dive deeper into it. And for those who don't know your freedom this morning, who are still dead in their sins, who are still slaves to their sin, and they probably know who they are right now, Lord, my prayer is that today would be the day that they would accept your freedom. They would would surrender to your rescue. So Lord, we love you. Do a great work here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple things as we get started. You notice my nice little pretty lanyard, my little yellow lanyard here. You might notice a few people walk around with these on. You might have seen them in the lobby. These people are our Connect team. If you have any questions, you ask them. That's why it says ask me. I'm not telling you that they'll always tell you the truth, but you can ask them anyway, okay? And if you'd like to help us with that on Sunday mornings, help us serve in our, our nice little food window or just be a greeter or just be nice to people and smile, uh, please just come see me. Come talk to me and we'll get you hooked up. You can have a nice little pretty lanyard. All right, moving right along. You know, as we get started this morning, um, as you, if you know me, then you know um, I'm not a very political person. But this morning, it, I, I can't restrain myself any longer. I have to speak politically for a moment, and here's what I'd like to say. I personally, and you personally, should vote for anybody who repeals daylight savings, okay? And I just, <laughs> I was compelled by the Spirit this morning that that's what I'm voting for, and I hope you do too. Okay, so, I'm glad you're here. Love is, thank you, okay, thank you, vote for me. Um, love is kind, that's what we're talking about this morning, love is kind. As we started talking about love is, going through this series, um, we've recognized, number one, that there's nothing greater we can talk about. Jesus says that all of the law and all of the prophets hang on two things, love God, love people. And so we've been unpacking this together, and one of the things we've noticed about love is that although we've got all kinds of wonderful songs about love that might show us that love is a feeling, uh, love is definitely more than that. Love is a choice, because feelings are fixed. They come and they go. You might be incredibly enamored and and feel very, very loving towards somebody and then something happens and it changes. Well, guess what? Your command to love them doesn't change. And so love is a choice. That's very good news. Last week, we started walking through 1 Corinthians 13, four through seven. um, And as we got there, we got to our first description of love, which is love is patient. Love is patient. So we see right there, we see two affirmatives for love. Love is patient. Love is kind. And then we've got some negatives. Love is not this. And so last week we got that first affirmative. Love is patient, which means, remember how we defined it? Love puts up with a lot for a long time with restraint. 
Love puts up with a lot for a long time with restraint. So love suffers the difficulties that others cause for a long time. We're not quick temper. We're not going to give up easily. And we put up with it with restraint. It doesn't mean we ignore it. It doesn't mean that we're passive. It doesn't mean that we become these doormats for others. But it means that even when we confront that frustration, we do it with restraint. We do it with grace instead of anger. Today, we're gonna look at that second affirmative and it's gonna help us build a, a foundation as we look at these negatives um, with, uh, with the rest of the definition here. So let's start there. Love is kind. Have you ever been a recipient of a random act of kindness? Maybe you were at Starbucks and you got up there to pay and they said, don't worry about it. The person in front of you already paid for years. Has that ever happened to anybody here? couple people, yeah. Maybe at Chick-fil-A. Does that happen to you at Chick-fil-A where you've gone through to try to pay and someone already paid it for you or, or something like that? Maybe you got to work and someone at work just for no reason just decided to get you your favorite candy, um, which if it's not gummy bears, then something's wrong with you because gummy bears are the best. By the way, what do you call um, a bear who lost all his teeth? A gummy bear. Okay, so anyway... Um, but you know, for me, I, I, took, I took my son Max to see Star Wars, The Force Awakens, uh, because I'm a good dad. And when I took him, I took him the first day it came out. Um, but because I am me, we didn't get there early enough. And so when we walked in, the only seats available were three rows from the screen. And so Max didn't care. That didn't matter to him at all. However, I didn't want to look at the actor's left shoulder the whole time. I was very, very upset. I was super annoyed. So during the, during the trailers, when it, when it would get really bright in the room, I would stand up and I'd turn around and look, right? And I was just looking for a couple seats together. And every time I thought I found one, I'd get up there like, oh, saving for somebody. Um, and so I would go back uh, down to my seat. Well, right before the movie started, some guy just comes up to me and says, excuse me, I noticed you looking for a seat. Um, I'm sitting up about three rows from the top. I've got two seats next to me. I went ahead and threw my jacket over them for you and your son. Why don't you come sit with me? You can enjoy the movie up there. So after I got done crying, I walked up there with him and we enjoyed the movie. There's no reason for him to do that. By the way, he didn't say anything to me the rest of the time. It wasn't uh, like there was no, uh, you want to hang out later? There was no, what are you going to do for me? It was just, I just want to do something nice for you. And that's what kindness is. Kindness is doing good to someone, right? Being helpful, being constructive, uh, being encouraging, being gentle. It's doing good for someone. Now, is that biblical? Well, we're going to find our definition of kind, and we're going to find it in somewhere we, we looked two weeks ago. When we talk about love as a choice, we use Luke chapter 6. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 6, looking at verse 35. Here's our, our scripture for today, the main scripture we're going to be looking at. But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So what are the descriptions of kindness? These are the descriptions of kindness. It says you'll be, if you do these things, you'll be like God who's kind. So what are the descriptions? Love your enemies, do good, and lend, not expecting anything in return. So there you have it. So to be kind to someone is to do good to someone. What does that mean? Well, this word here, to do good, it, it, it has this meaning of to benefit someone. This understanding, to benefit someone. So doing good means to do something for the benefit of the other person. To do something for the benefit of the other person. That's what it means to do good. To encourage them, provide for them. It's about benefiting the other person. In Matthew chapter 5, we see Matthew's version or Matthew's recording of this teaching of Jesus from Luke 6. And in it, he says this. He says about God, 
For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. So he gives sunlight and rain to who? The evil and the good. Who does it benefit? The evil and the good. It's not about him, it's about, it's about uh, being kind to them. Doing good is about acting to benefit the other person, not necessarily yourself. So at work, when you do good, you do what? You do something to benefit your coworker. At home, you do good, what do you do? You do something to benefit your children. And you're, and you're with your friends, what do you do? You do something that benefits them. Not necessarily you, but benefits them. It's an act to benefit someone, that's doing good. This past Friday, March 11th, that was my 10 year wedding anniversary. Um, and so, uh, yep, give it up for Angela, she did it. Um, so, we, uh, for that, for that, a, a friend of mine um, got us tickets to the Grizzlies game. Uh, he gave us tickets to the Grizzlies game, and it was incredibly kind. We got to sit in a, in a suite, and it was incredibly kind to us. He gave it to me. He didn't say, these will be $20. He didn't say, uh, oh, you know what? Um, you get me back whenever you can, or you owe me one, or whatever. It was just, here, go enjoy that. And that was kind to me. It wasn't kind to the people sitting around us, because as I've shared before, when I get a little bit of taste of luxury, um, I immediately just become really uppity, and, I, and, and just, like, I was looking the people below us and I was like don't don't you turn around and look up here right like I this is this is my special you're a commoner okay I am not you right now you are a commoner and anytime they would look at us I'd call security yeah it's box 112 again I've got I've got commoners looking at me again I need you to take care of that but it was kind to us and we're called to show that type of kindness to choose to treat others in a way that benefits them that's, that's doing good to them. So whether that's a gift or an action or a word spoken or a word not spoken probably more than, more than, than not, that's being kind. To do good to others, uh, to do something for others that benefits them, not necessarily you. But what are the obstacles to us to making that choice? Because we can agree that, okay, that's good, that's a good thing to do. What stands in our way? What most trips us up? when we want to be kind to others. And I think we go back to Luke 6.35 and we look at that description there. What were they again? Do good, love your enemies, lend not expecting a return. These highlights the obstacles to our kindness. So let's start there with love your enemies. So act, uh, act for the benefit of others even if they are your enemy. Even if they are your enemy. And it's easy. It's easy to be, to, to be kind to a friend, isn't it? It's easy to be kind. My friend who, who gave us those tickets, it wasn't difficult for him to give them to him. Why, because we're friends. For some reason, I have no idea why, he likes me, and we're friends, okay? And so it wasn't hard for him to give me that gift, because he, he likes me. Maybe it's for my wife. Maybe he's like, well, she, she deserves it. So anyway, whatever it was, it was easy for him to give to it, because we're friends, right? But what about when they aren't your friends? What about even if they're ungrateful? What if they're your enemy? And that's the example here that Jesus gives us. He says, don't just do good to others, but do good to others even when they're your enemy. And so I think our first obstacle, here's the first obstacle I'm gonna call it, is judgment. That's our first obstacle to being kind to people is judgment. What I mean by judgment is we judge people as not worthy of our kindness. We judge people as not worthy of our kindness. Maybe it's because they've offended you. Maybe they've done something to you in the past and they've wronged you. 
So they're not worthy of you showing them kindness. Maybe they've wronged somebody else and you know about it. And so they're not worthy of your kindness. Maybe for whatever reason, you've just judged their character. And you just said, you know what? This person, uh, they're, they're just not good people. Or you know what? I don't like them. They get on my nerves. We're, regardless, we judge them as not worthy of our kindness. I'm not going out of my way to do something for that jerk. And if you go, you know what? I've never had that thought then you don't have a driver's license. Because everybody's have a driver's license. I had that thought. And you drive, like you drive on the interstate. You know, Sam Cooper, uh, right there where it connects to the, the 240, uh, I think it's called a, a loop or disaster, one of the two. But as it connects right there, you know that every day at like 4.30 or 5, um, everybody's got to go one single direction together. And then the city goes, let's do construction now. And so and when it gets down, you know when it gets down to one lane, and everybody's merging to one lane, and then you've got who? You got your, your, your NASCAR drivers, like staying in that other lane, like they don't know it's gonna end, and then what, then you have a decision to make, don't you? When you pull up there, do I let them in or do I not? Now listen, listen, this is church. This is a safe place. Who doesn't let them in? All right, you're absolved, you're absolved, all right. I, there's this guy, I'm, I, he, okay. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who always does this. When you pull into that lane and you've got that second lane, everybody driving by, you know what he does? He pulls into the middle and he stays on the line so no one can get by him. And it is just crazy. But you've been there, right? That person is not worthy of my kindness. They are not worthy of letting me uh, let them into traffic. How dare they? I waited in line. They didn't. They're not worthy of my kindness. And you know what? This judgmental system is problematic for multiple reasons. One, we make terrible judges. We are terrible judges. One of the reasons is we have limited understanding. Let me give you an example. Um, I had just, just a couple weeks ago, I had a friend of mine do something for me. Okay, he did something I asked him to do. He did it for me. I misread what he did as an insult. I thought he was, a couple days had passed, I forgot what I asked him to do, and he did something, and I misread the situation, and I got angry with him. And if you had asked me about him in that moment, I should have been like, he is such a jerk, he doesn't think about anybody, blah, 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 blah. So he comes up to me, and goes, are you mad at me? And I was like, well, yeah. And so then, then he goes, why? You asked me to do this. And I go, oh, goodbye, right? Like, I, I'm a terrible judge. I don't understand everything that's going on. I don't have all the information. And also, I'm super biased. I am not a fair judge whatsoever. I think the best example, my father-in-law, nobody loves his family like my father-in-law loves his family. My father-in-law loves his family, and he loves me like I am his son, and, and, I, and I love that man. I owe a lot to that man. He's a wonderful man. Sports. Okay, so my father-in-law, when it comes to sports, whatever team he is pulling for, it does not matter. Whatever team he is pulling for, the referees are out to get them. The referees are paid by the other team. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You could be, if the Memphis Tigers, if they inbound the ball today against UConn, is that today against UConn? If they inbound the ball today against UConn and the point guard just goes, 
dribbling's hard. I'm just going to walk down here. And they blew the, res- the, they blew the whistle. He would lose his mind. What are these refs doing? They're always after us, right? If I went to a game, a, a player came off the court and stabbed me, and the referee came over and saved my life, he would yell at the ref somehow, all right? He did something wrong. I'm telling you, that's his thing. Why? Because he's biased, and we're the same way. I'm the same way. You talk bad about somebody else, or you have a conflict with anybody else, I'll try to be as, I'll try to be as, as, as impartial as I can be. You have a conflict with my wife, you're wrong. You're wrong. I don't care. I don't care what evidence you show me. You can have video of her just like stealing your TV and you could show it to me in my living room on your stolen TV and I would still say you're wrong, okay? Like you are absolutely wrong. You must have given that to her, okay? And how dare you let her carry something so heavy? What is wrong with you? My judgment is biased. I can't, I'm a bad judge and you are too. And we don't deserve to judge because we're not in any better position than anybody else. We get mad, so we get mad at drivers for doing that whole trying to merge into lane later thing. Who hasn't done that? I have absolutely done that. And in my mind, I'm playing that game of, well, I didn't know, right? Like, no, I knew. We've all done that. Romans 3 says no one is good. Therefore, anything that's in us that's good, it's not you. It's not that we've just worked up our goodness. God did it. Ephesians tells us that we were saved by grace, not because of us, not anything in us, so that no one can brag. That means that if you were to stand before God right now, you were to stand here, an unbeliever were to stand here, and God would say, why you and not you? And you would say, well, because of my faith in Jesus Christ. And he would say, well, why do you have it? And he doesn't have it. Because of you, I don't know, I, I couldn't conjure that up. I didn't desire you because, uh, because of something that's in me that isn't in him. It's something you did. I don't desire anything good. There's nothing, there's no one good and no one desires God. It's something that God does in us. And so there's nothing in me that could make me go, you know what, I got it figured out. I got it figured out. You know what, I'm better than this person. I can make a judgment call because I know better. No, you don't. There's nothing in us that we can take credit for. So our judgment, at best, is silly. At worst, it's hateful. At best, it's silly. So we must choose to act. Here's our definition of kindness. We must choose to act for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness. Regardless of their worthiness. And that might be a hard pill to swallow. You might say, I can't. I, like, can't I just tolerate them? Isn't that patience? Can't I just tolerate them and, and just, just hold back a little bit? No, 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 you're right, that's patience. But love is also kind. It takes it a step further from restraint to what? To action. Not only am I gonna restrain myself from, from lashing out in anger, not only am I gonna do that, I'm gonna be kind. I'm going to do something to benefit them. That's the love Jesus gives us. And let me give you a for instance. What if... What if you're at work and you have a supervisor who abuses their power? You know, they, they abuse their authority, they, they're rude, they're demanding, they're dishonest. Maybe they're even stealing from the company you're working for. Would it be natural and easy to extend kindness to them, to do something for their benefit? No, because you would what? You'd make a judgment call. Look at them. They're unworthy of my politeness. They're unworthy of my gentleness. They're unworthy of my generosity. But Jesus is calling us and commanding us to throw our judge, that judgment aside, to throw that condemning spirit we have aside 
and still extend kindness. Trust him to deal with the injustice and still extend kindness. And you go, well, Jesus wasn't in that position. Yeah, he was. There's a guy in the scripture who abused his power, who was demanding, who literally stole from people. His name was Zacchaeus, and they wrote a really nice little song about a very not nice man. But what did Jesus do? He extended kindness to him. He acted for his benefit. What did he do? He went to his house. He honored him. I'm the teacher everybody wants to see, and I'm coming to your house. He honored him. And then what did he do? He, gave, he offered him forgiveness. What a gift. That's what Jesus does. That's the kindness he shows. He acts for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness, and that's our call as well. And what does this require? Well, Jesus shows us two things in interaction with Zacchaeus. One is humility. Jesus humbled himself and entered this sinner's home. And I think what it shows me is, is I need to be humble because Zacchaeus is me. If Jesus hadn't shown up in this story, if Jesus hadn't shown up to, for, and, and, and went to Zacchaeus, what would have happened to Zacchaeus? Where would he have been? Who knows? He's stealing from everybody. Who knows where that would have taken him? Let me ask you a question. If Jesus hadn't shown up in your life, where would you be? Like shudder at the thought, right? Where would you be? We are Zacchaeus. We are those that we want to judge. That's us. Without the grace of God, but for the grace of God, go I. That's us, right? So humility, but also we need forgiveness. Jesus forgave Zacchaeus that day. And maybe you deny kindness. Maybe you're quick to judgment because you're holding on to that past offense. You're holding on to that, that thing. You're not letting go of it. Ephesians 4.32, talking about kindness, look at what it attaches to kindness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Maybe you can't be kind today until you forgive today, until you let go today. So kindness is to act for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness, just like our Father. Psalm 145.9, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he's made. That's just like our dad. That's our dad's heart right there. But judgment isn't our only obstacle to kindness. That's not their only obstacle. The second we find back in what Jesus said. So kindness is what? Do good, love your enemies, and lend without expecting repayment. Lend without expecting a return. I hope that on Saturdays, we, we've got the help group. Is that this Saturday? Help group? This Saturday? Absolutely. Come push baskets. We need you. We love you. Okay. I hope that the help group is a place where people experience kindness. I hope that that's true. But what if, what if we did a little bit differently? What if when people showed up on Saturday, this Saturday to get their food, what if we charged them? Not a lot, what if we charged them? Just a little bit, like you know, to help pay for a little bit of the food or whatever, just what if we started charging them? Would that be kind? What if, what if as they came through and you pushed their cart, what if every time they, that somebody put like a can in their bag or whatever, what if you just waited until that person told that person thank you? And you just like, they just stood there and they're like, what? And you're like, tell them thank you, thank you. And you went to the next one and you did that. Would that be kind? No. What if you went to their car and as you're unloading their groceries, you will not let them leave until you get to take a selfie with them so you can post it on Instagram, hashtag helping others. Is that kindness? No, why? It's gross, number one. But why is, it, why is it not kindness? Because you want to be repaid. And that's not what kindness is. 
That's not what kindness is. I know that we live in a world where you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That is not kindness. That's not in God's economy. So our second obstacle is our greed. When we show kindness to someone, it's only natural to desire a pleasant response. The response is to our benefit. Recognition, a favor, repayment. Isn't it easy to give someone a gift when you know like you'll get something in return? And what I mean is, isn't it, like, isn't it easy when you give a gift to your children? Isn't it easy, like you want to give it to them, why? Because you love them and, and I can't wait to see their faces light up. I can't wait for them to, to hug me. I can't wait for all of that. Isn't it a little bit disappointing when that doesn't happen? Have you done that? I absolutely have. Like brought a gift home or whatever, and then my daughter just breaks down crying. I didn't want this one or whatever. Like that's just a little heart-wrenching. Why? Because I, I wanted something. I gave you that, but I, I, wanted, I wanted your gratitude there. Like isn't it easy to give a gift to somebody or to, to extend kindness to do something to benefit somebody when it also benefits you? Yes, that's easy. Like, we like to take care of ourselves. But is it easy to show kindness, to, bene- to do something to benefit somebody, and their response might be nothing? And in fact, their response could be they're completely ungrateful. Jesus, in, in Luke 6, 35, what does it say? He's kind to the what? To the ungrateful. Is it easy to show kindness to those who are ungrateful? Those who don't acknowledge your gift? Or there's no thank you, there's no nothing, Right? That's difficult. It's easy to do good to to people who respond like we want to, but is it easy to to do good to those people who don't, no matter what? Well, that's the level of love Jesus has called us to, doing good to others regardless of their worthiness or response, to act for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness or response. Jesus experienced this in Luke chapter 17, um, verse 11. I'll read this for us. If you want to turn there, you can. I'm, I'm going to read this, this passage for us. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Okay, so I know we don't, people are probably really familiar with leprosy. Um, but anyway, just sores all over their bodies. They're, they're complete outcasts. They, they called to Jesus from a distance. It would be illegal for them to approach him, okay, because of what's going on. So they call out, please have mercy on us. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So Jesus does this miracle. Like they go, have mercy on us. And I don't know what Jesus does or whatever he does. And they just walk on. And as they walk on, they're healed. Like they, their skin just clears up and they see it and they, they just feel better. And, and so one of them turns around and runs back to Jesus. One of, one of 10, there's nine more who don't care. Like, hey, look, I got my skin back. I got my moneymaker back. It's time, it's time to go call, Carla, Carla, I'm back, right? Like, whatever it is, they don't care. They're not, they're not grateful to Jesus at all. Nine. What did Jesus do? He said, fine, leprosy. No, he didn't do that. He still did good to them. He still was kind to them. Their response was terrible. It was It was terrible but he still did good to them. Why should we do the same? Because 
us doing good, us extending kindness to others, it's not between us and the other person. It's really not. It's between us and God. Check this out, Luke 6, 35. But love your enemies, do good, lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. I don't have to worry about your response. I don't have to worry about if you'll reward me. I don't care about your reward. The Lord will reward me, like eternal reward. We just, we saw a picture of a gravestone. It just reminds us what? I can't, I can't take any of this with me. I can't. I don't need your reward. This is between me and God. I can love you and I can do things for you and, and, and I don't have to worry, will I be repaid? The Lord sees and he'll take care of it. So do good regardless if your boss notices you. Do good regardless if your neighbor even cares. Do good regardless if or how they even pay you back or don't. Forget repayment, God will repay. And you know what, in fact, in Matthew, Jesus warns us about the spotlight. He warns us about seeking repayment, about seeking favor from others, about seeking uh, uh, glory from others. Why? Because it can warp our heart, right? Like, you start to chase that. We chase the spotlight, we chase the praise. And God says, that stuff's stupid, it's gonna, you're gonna hate that because that's gonna burn up. Forget that, forget the spotlight. In fact, in fact, he tells us to, to do our good deeds in such a way, he says, your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing. Like as believers, as we extend kindness, we should be very wary of taking credit. Jesus warns us about that. So forget repayment, God will repay. And that's kindness, kindness is acting for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness or response. And I wanna close with a story of kindness. Maybe you read this um, in the paper recently. This guy's name is, uh, I wanna tell you about Cameron Lyle, a student at the University of New Hampshire. Um, when he, he went to New Hampshire because he was a track and field star, that's his, his deal. So he gets a scholarship to go to New Hampshire to, to continue to do that. His, his main, um, the main uh, thing that he competed in was shot put. And so he went to go compete there. When he was a sophomore in the cafeteria, they were doing, uh, they were swabbing everybody's mouths um, and then putting them into a, a bone marrow donor program. And they told them, like one of his teammates said, hey, you should go do this, the whole team is doing it. And uh, he says, okay, I, I guess. And the, the guy who took his, his uh, swab said, there's a one in five million chance that you would be the match of somebody that's outside of your family. So it's really rare, you just go in this database. Okay, so that's when he's a sophomore. When he's a senior, he gets notified by this organization. There's a 28-year-old with leukemia, has six months to live, but he's a match. And if he donates marrow to him, it could extend his life four or five years. Um, and so he had a choice to make. Now, when you donate marrow, um, it's, it's, you recover. Like, he's not permanently disabled because of this. However, your recovery time takes a while. And in fact, part of your recovery is you're not supposed to lift any weight over, like, 20 pounds. Well, the problem is his recovery would coincide uh, with the American Eastern Conference Championships. It was his last opportunity for a gold medal in college. It's the end of his sporting career. This is it. And the way he described it in an interview, like this is like Super Bowl for him. It's what he's been working for. And so he has a decision to make. Will he continue his sporting career, go get this gold medal he's been working for literally his whole life, or Will he go give marrow? Now listen, this donor that needed his marrow needed more than the regular amount. He needed a lot. 
which meant that they were going to have to pull a ton of bone marrow out of him, which would, which would make his recovery time much longer, but also means they would have to stick a needle over 200 times into the bone in his back. So either do that or go win your gold medal. And he chose to donate his bone marrow. He chose to donate to a complete stranger, effectively ending his career. Not only did he sacrifice his body and the pain and all that, but he ended this thing he's been working for his whole life. And here's what his coach said about him. People say he only gave up track, but no, it's more than that. He gave up championships. This was his shot, but he gave it up for the right reason. And in the end, he contributed to our athletic program as an athlete, as a student, and now as a person. You can't ask for more than that. This story is everywhere. Do you know why? Because it's crazy kind. This is crazy kindness. This is not kindness you see every day. But listen to this. We should be like this. We should be crazy kind. We should be absolutely crazy. Not so people write articles about us, but because our God is crazy kind. Look at what he did on the cross for us. He was crushed for us. He extended kindness. He did something for our benefit, even though we didn't deserve it, because we weren't worthy. And even though we weren't grateful, he did it. While we were still sinners, while we still hated him, he died for us. We should be people that are marked by crazy kindness, constantly trying to outdo one another, as Hebrews says, constantly trying to outdo one another in showing honor, right? That should be us. We're always working to the benefit of others. Christians, as we close, is there something you know you need to do to show kindness? Then do it. Is there someone you know you've been denying kindness to? Then do it. Is there forgiveness you need to extend so that you can start showing kindness? Then do it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe the Lord wants you to pray differently. Maybe he wants you to pray proactively. He wants you to pray like this. God, today, give me an opportunity to extend kindness, to show, to, to act for the benefit of somebody who doesn't deserve it and won't even notice. Like, let me serve you like that. For those in this room who don't follow the Lord, God's super kind to you. You know how I know? You're in America. You're breathing. You're free. You're healthy. You say, well, I got to, you're sitting here. You're healthy enough to be here. God's provided for you. He's so kind. But let me read you the scripture, Romans 2, 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? That's you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? The Lord's blessed you, but now it's time to respond. Respond. Give him your life. Follow him, the one who loves you that much. Follow him. Don't abuse his kindness. Follow him. So I'm gonna ask the, the band to come back up and, and we'll sing a chorus together and respond to the Lord. And as we do, um, I don't know what the Lord's calling you to do, Maybe, maybe you need to stand and sing. Maybe you need to, to kneel and pray. Maybe you need to come and pray at the cross or pray at these stairs. Or um, I'll be here, Brother John will be here. Maybe you want to come pray with us. I don't know. But you do what the Lord's calling you to do. And for those in this room who don't follow the Lord, don't presume on his kindness any longer. He's kind to you because he has a new life for you. It's time to respond. Stop being ungrateful. Respond. Come follow the Lord Jesus. And you say, I don't even know what that means. But here's what it means. It means you make him in charge now. You ask him to forgive you. You ask him to come into your life and you just surrender. You say, it's all you now. If that's you, 
you come forward. I'll be right here. Brother Chan will be right here. You come talk to us. Let's pray together. And you can walk out of here a child of God. Is there anything better? No. So let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, as we respond, I pray that you would do a great, great work here. For my brothers and sisters in this room, would you, um, would you help us, uh, number one, respond in an, in an attitude of worship to your kindness to us. And then, Lord, respond with our lives. Help us to be people who would act for the benefit of others regardless of their worthiness and regardless of their response. We would just want to be like our dad. So we go act like him. And for those in this room who, Lord, they need to follow you and they know who they are. They need to surrender today. They need to stop living for themselves and live for you. Give them the courage to right now tell you that. To right now in, the, in their own seats, in their own, in their mind, in the quietness of their heart and mind, just to say to you right now, God, I want to follow you. Forgive me. Believe what you did on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. Forgive me. I'm following you now. Give them the courage to come forward, to talk with us and pray with us, to start a new life today. We love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us and let's sing.